This is Louise Gartner with Spectrum Commodities taking a look at wheat for Monday, March 6th. Well, for the week last week, we started out a little, little bit weaker, but then we spent most of the week pacing sideways in the wheat space, whereas corn and soybeans, early part of the week, they had quite a bit of pressure, and then they snapped back, corn giving us a really nice reversal up on Wednesday, and then not getting much follow-through after that. In fact, we reversed back down on Thursday, and then Friday we tried to jump back up, so definitely some choppy price action. Soybeans there too, early in the week, uh, quite a washout, and then we snapped back late in the week. Uh, those two markets running into quite a bit of volatility on some pretty significant conflicting fundamentals. You've got Brazil harvesting a record crop of soybeans, and that's hitting the pipeline. So obviously that's going to be a drag on U.S. demand. At the same time, you have Argentina, which just cannot find a break with weather. They've had a drought situation ever since last fall, and it just it really has not improved. There was a, a stretch in there about a month ago where it looked like they were finally going to get into more of a rain pattern. They had some scattered rains and then it just dried out again. So, you know, they're they're deep into their growing season and it's pretty much getting too late to really help that crop. Even some of the late planted stuff, you know, is, is, is really stressing. So they've got... Um, Argentina is declaring that this is the worst drought that they've seen in 60 years, just to give some perspective here. They, of course, are reducing their production estimates aggressively now at this point. They've got corn production estimated at 38.6 million tons. That compares to their early season estimate of 55 million tons, and USDA is at 47 just to give some more perspective there. For soybeans, they're estimating production at 31.2 million tons. Their initial target was 50. USDA is still at 41. Now we do have a supply demand report on Wednesday. We expect that USDA will lower production for, for Argentina for both of those crops. Uh, it just depends on the degree. But uh, private guys are really starting to take a hatchet to production estimates coming out of Argentina. So, of course, that's bullish. But again, you've got Brazil just coming in with a monster soybean crop that will quite, for, for the most part, offset much of the loss, if not all of it, coming out of Argentina. They are about 50% harvested of soybeans. Right behind the soybean harvest, of course, they're planting their second season corn crop. They're estimated to be about 90% done with the corn plantings of what they expect to plant. Target is uh, they try to get it in before March 10th. Otherwise, you know, you get past, you get that late in the planting season, it pushes the crop into the hot and dry part of summer. So it looks like they should, for the most part, have soy or excuse me, corn in the ground by that that. Um, deadline. It's not a deadline, but it's it's a target date on the calendar. So Brazil looks great. Argentina looks terrible. And they are pretty much offsetting each other. China, of course, is um, starting to really ramp up their purchases of Brazilian soybeans, moving away from U.S. soybeans. But U.S. domestic demand is expected to ramp up here over these next few months as biofuel plants come online. So trying to get those 
get those going it's obviously going to be a huge base of support for the soy complex the trade is expecting and kind of bracing for china to try as much as they can to move away from u.s products uh, brazil of course will help with that they increase their plantings and production every year and again the big crop this year is certainly going to go a long way toward filling that chinese demand but at the same time uh, China, you know, can't source all of it from Brazil, and certainly not corn. There were rumors last week that China was sourcing U.S. corn. Uh, a lot of numbers floating around, but it, I think it suffice it to say they were buying a fair amount of U.S. corn. So they are switching there as Brazil runs out of their old crop corn, as they're planting new crop, and that corn won't be available to the to the world pipeline till June at the earliest, and more likely uh, July is their critical time frame and of course that's right during the critical part of our growing season so you know if if we're looking at a big crop of corn here and brazil is you know cutting a big crop there it's pretty tough to you know to think that corn is going to have much of a chance on the upside the prospects for both brazil and the united states having a good corn crop are fairly high Brazil is planting into ideal planting conditions, plenty of moisture. Here in the U.S., we're just getting rolling in the far south, uh, plenty of moisture. Pretty much everywhere you look in any kind of notable corn country uh, in a much better moisture situation than last year. Even the western Midwest has had a great deal of moisture. Some of it rain, some of it snow, some of it ice, some of it sideways, but nevertheless, it is moisture. And uh, at, at least to get the growing season started, I would expect that uh, both corn and beans and all spring crops really will get off to a good start. Almost everywhere you look, we've had a much better supply or moisture supply situation, except the far part of the northern plains, particularly north central Montana. Much of North Dakota is in a better, condi- better shape than they were a year ago. The southern plains, pretty delineating region between the eastern half and the western half. Uh, West is dry, the east is wet, and then of course northern Kansas on north looks pretty good. It's just that southwest quarter of Kansas straight on south into Texas that looks rough and looks really rough. You're well into the growing season in Texas. In fact, uh, you're well into the heading part of the production so you know we're not going to be looking at a big crop coming out of Texas most likely we're going to be breaking dormancy in Kansas here in about a week Uh, they sure need a drink in that southwest quarter Uh, the rest of the state looks okay Um, the further east you go the better moisture the situation is but you know for hard red winter wheat country um, it's it's not a slam dunk at this point and I think that you know the market it's a interesting that Kansas City really has been the leader to the downside here. We've seen just a huge amount of liquidation on the spreads between Casey and Chicago. Uh, just just a, a lot of liquidation. Kansas City now is testing the significant lows from last December, whereas Chicago and Minneapolis both took out those lows last week, and then they kind of stabilized. So I think that uh, you know, the wheat market's trying to, I think, form a bottom here, but the weakness in corn is is kind of reflecting back on that. Normally, what we've seen over the last few weeks has been the weakness in wheat that has been dragging corn down. Now, I think it's kind of the other way around. 
the um, U.S. corn market has had a lot of difficulty competing in the export market. That's well documented. Uh, it, we're, it's probably going to improve a little bit with Brazil fading away. But the news a couple weeks ago that Ukraine still had 30 million tons of grain in their storage facilities to export really took the market by surprise. That was kind of a, an eye-popping number when, you know, they had difficulty harvesting the crop and uh, Russia was stealing grain. And here they throw out that number. I don't know if it's accurate, but that was still a, a kind of a, <laughs> a pretty big punch for the corn and wheat markets that geez, you know, if, if the corridor stays open, which I fully expect that it will, it you know, Russia needs it open as much as Ukraine does. And there's no way Turkey is going to allow Russian ships to pass through their straits without allowing Ukraine ships. That That's just not going to happen. So, you know, I there's a lot of saber rattling and a lot of rhetoric going back and forth about this grain corridor, but I I just don't see how they shut it down. That's just kind of ridiculous to to, to, to think that uh, Russia would do that. But anyway, aside from that, we're looking at uh, more than expected stocks that could be coming out of Ukraine. And obviously, they're going to want to move it as quickly and aggressively as possible as they need the money. And um, so far, the prospects for this next crop obviously are going to be lower. They just couldn't get it all seeded. But moisture conditions have improved significantly for both Ukraine and Russia. You know, obviously we're a long way from harvest, but we're not headed into the growing season in stressful conditions pretty much anywhere you look in the Northern Hemisphere, except here in the United States in that western half of the Southern Central Plains, which is very important hard red winter wheat country, uh, no doubt. But... Is it enough to sustain the upside? I think initially it is. If the rains don't come and the forecasts do not seem to be bringing in those long range suggestions of rain in the Western Plains, they're not showing up in the short range forecasts. So that I think will eventually lead to some support for Kansas City. Um, you know, there's just a lot of talk about acreage abandonment. Um, perhaps if there does rain, the graze it off. You know, you won't know that until later, until like June, when you actually get these harvest results. In the meantime, we've got a March 31 plantings report that will give us uh, the first estimates from USDA other than the forum, the Ag Outlook forum. But uh, it'll be the kind of official estimates for corn, soybeans, all the spring planted crops. So, And it's also a quarterly stocks report. So we've got a supply demand on Wednesday and a few weeks from now we've got it's a Friday that the March 31 stocks and plantings report will be so headed into a weekend with a major report probably see all kinds of fireworks that day. But in the meantime, I think wheat is trying to carve out a bottom here. You, you are breaking into new lows on the night session down about 17 in Kansas City down 12 in Chicago. So another a uh, rough day in stock, I think, at least to start, but um, I, I think Kansas City will catch here. I, I just don't see it completely falling apart with the weather outlook the way it is. In corn and soybeans, um, corn is that major support. I think it's going to hold. Soybeans, it's hard to say. You know, I, I do think that they're going to head south here. Uh, it's, it's just they're not going to be, we're not going to be able to compete against Brazil, and that's going to dominate 
world trade. Our exports have kind of dropped off. Now we're running behind last year's export pace where, you know, all marketing year we had been running well ahead. So that's a little concerning as well. A couple other things. Um, India talking about hot and dry conditions. Just like last year, around this time of year, you know, they they saw a record crop deteriorate right in front of their eyes and it appears to be happening again. So like last year, they were expected to fill in the gap left by uh, a lack of Ukraine exports. And then right about this time of year, the, the heat and the dryness kicked in and, and India ended up shutting off exports. And that's what really sent the wheat market soaring higher. This year, it looks like that might be the case again. So we don't expect India to be a major exporter at this point. They have released quite a bit of wheat into the domestic channel because prices were starting to, you know, reach record highs. So I, you know, they're not going to risk shortages at home for the export market. And one other thing that I think is really interesting, Brazil in the last few days approved GMO wheat for production in the country. Now this follows Argentina, which already has approved it. And Brazil imports most of its wheat from Argentina. In fact, Brazil is one of the world's largest importers, but because they get almost all of it from Argentina, they don't make that big of an impact in the broader market. But of course, you know, if they don't have GMO wheat approved for use in Brazil, it makes it difficult to import Argentine wheat. So they are kind of aligning with Argentina. So you have South American GMO wheat, um, I don't know if Argentina has been exporting, you know, if other countries have been importing Argentine GMO wheat and either A, not knowing it, or B, it's okay. You know, obviously, if it's okay, I can't imagine the rest of the world not quickly falling in line with that as well. You know, GMO corn and beans have been around for decades. Can't really argue that they've had a negative impact. Some would argue that they have, but that's a, you know a conversation for a different time. I think if producers have an opportunity to grow GMO wheat, I think they're going to jump at it. Here in the U.S., it's you know it, it again. It, we've had a lot of pushback over the years because of our markets that may not want it and have said they don't want it. Primarily, Japan has been quite vocal about it. So that's obviously a major consideration. But again, you've got a major exporter that's been growing it. You've got a major importer that's going to start growing it and importing it. Um, this probably is the, the opening of the door for the rest of the world. We'll see how this progresses, but I thought that was a really interesting story that really hadn't gotten much attention here, at least recently. So moving forward, I think that... Um, Again, I, I, I would look for wheat and corn to kind of stabilize here. As we head into the growing season, things are not improving in the plains for wheat, so I, I would think we'd get some traction here. For corn and beans, uh, corn at least temporarily will we'll find some support here. It's at major support, um, but soybeans, I think, are going to start to roll over here just simply because of the, the shorter-term fundamentals. If you have any questions, feel free to call at one 800 888-9843. This is Ben Louise Gartner with Spectrum Commodities.